Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been two weeks since my last confession. Is that Bill Furpo? Uh, yes, it's me, Father. It's been five years since you've been to confession. Is that how you're going to start the whole thing out? Okay, let's go. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 127, and it's also week three of Cage of Palooza 2021. Uh, our movie this week was Trapped in Paradise, and here to talk with me about it is Lisa from I Love That Movie. Lisa, how you doing? Hey, Travis. I am so excited that you've given me this platform to talk about this extremely important film. No, but I'm very excited to talk about this. So you <laughs> had you for having me. Yes. So you've seen this before. I think you even said you own this movie. I've seen this many times. Yeah. <laughs> so I had not. Uh, my knowledge of this movie prior to um, this weekend and watching it was that it had Nick Cage, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey in it. Uh, and there was a joke about making four lefts being a circle. Yes. That was it. That's everything I knew about this movie before I started watching it. Um, but it fits the criteria of I hadn't seen it before, and it's starring Nicolas Cage. That's all we need for this month. And so here we go. Um, and I want to start actually with Cage in this, um, okay. because the past couple of weeks, what I've watched for um, for this show has been Color Out of Space, and uh, Season of the Witch, um, which were very different uh, performances by him. And I felt like Season of the Witch was, he was invested, but he never fully went cage. Like he, he played mm -hmm. very, very middle of the road. Um, Color Out of Space, he got to, to play a little bit, have a little more fun. This movie definitely felt like he was going, he was trying some things. Um <laughs> This performance felt closer to Vampire's Kiss than, say, <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas. Um, yeah. He's not bad, and he's still got that Nick Cage charisma. He's still got that magnetism that makes you want to pay attention to what he's doing. But at the same time, he's trying a New York accent, I think. That's what he's going for. <laughs> Accents have never been his strong point. Let's is, start. Let's get that out of the way for sure. And and not not just doing accents, keeping them, holding an accent right. from not just scene to scene, but sometimes sentence to sentence. Yes, doesn't happen. Um, so he mm -hmm. sort of does this New York accent, but he drops it all over the place. Just doesn't care. Um, <laughs> his character is interesting because he starts off the movie. He's the straight laced of the three brothers. Right. He's mm -hmm. he's the one that has a job that isn't getting paroled from prison. But man, does he lose that quick? Like, yeah. <laughs> and the morals are loosey goosey with this <laughs> with these with these guys. For I, sure. <laughs> I think that's being generous. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, he's he's all he's dead set against doing any of this. He he doesn't yes. trust his brothers. John Lovitz and Dana Carvey play his brothers, David and Alva Alvin. Um he doesn't trust him at all. They they basically con him into going to this town because they're on parole, so they can't leave the state of New York, but they want to go right. to Paradise, Pennsylvania. They get him there, and it's like as soon as he gets to Pennsylvania and he sees the bank vault being op like wide open in the middle of the day and that there's no security, he just gives up on his morals and is like, all right, you know, if I had a gun, I would go back and rob that place. Yeah. <laughs> Which has the great line of, so what if I told you that there might be guns in the trunk of this car? <laughs> and it's like immediately they go back to rob the place in the middle of the day. Uh, and that's actually like, okay, a movie like this, obviously suspension of disbelief. You're going you're gonna to do that. I love the fact that they rob it at lunch. Middle of the day. I it's, love... It's so yeah, bad. I love everything about them robbing it. Like every single part of how bad they are at it. How compliant the townsfolk. I mean, everything is just wonderful to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it, if you haven't seen this before, the scene is just so 
it's so surreal, but it's so much fun because they they go to the, like the the surplus store or the the convenient like the buy anything store, the five and dime, and they get big thick jackets and hats and ski masks, and then they hotwire a car and they they go into the bank at noon, <laughs> and it's full of people. But nobody resists whatsoever. I love that. Like just these small town people, like, okay, we'll we'll do whatever you're telling us to do. And then the only person with the key to the vault that's now locked is the bank manager who's across the street eating at the diner. <laughs> yes. So so he has to walk across the street and for some reason takes his brother, which is another weird thing. Like he told him to stay in the car, but then he tells him, No, come with me this time. And it's <laughs> solely to have the joke of him eating Scrapple off the plate, or as he called it, Scrabble. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think my favorite part about that is when they leave the the diner, they take the entirety of the diner with them back across the street to the bank so that nobody calls the cops on them. Um, yeah, which... safe to say they're not masterminds at this. <laughs> no. no, and also uh, there is a non-zero chance that there was at least two sheriff's deputies in that diner when they went in there. Right, right, right. <laughs> But putting all that aside, they rob the place uh, in the middle of the day and then go to leave and they just can't, they can't get out. They cannot get out of the city. Although it's funny, it got dark awful quick. If they were robbing at yes. noon at lunchtime, which you have to, you have to think is somewhere between noon and two, right? In a small town mm -hmm. like that. Um, but by the time they're leaving town directly after this, how much time did they spend moving the money from one car to the other and then pushing the car? And they're like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> Hours, that's, I guess. It had to have been. That's the part of the movie I'm missing. <laughs> the logic in the timeline of this reminds me a lot of like those, um, you know, Hallmark Channel Christmas films. It's got all those same ingredients of like, you know, you go to this small town and it changes you. Um the, the roads get blocked off and you're forced to stay there and learn the true meaning of Christmas. Like it's all that stuff, but it's like funny. And I think that's why I, I like it so much. So it's, it doesn't make logical sense. <laughs> it's so great that you said that because what I actually said in my notes, I wrote down this, this feels like a weirdly reverse Hallmark Christmas movie where the guy from the big city comes to the small town and falls for the simple gal that's living there. It's, it, it, but this but is it's 90... Nicolas Cage, Dana Carvey, and John Lovitz. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> okay. Makes it amazing. <laughs> so Cage, Cage, I feel like is okay, but, and he gets, thankfully he gets some Nick Cage type moments. He gets those, those moments. There's a moments. lot of banter. There is a lot of banter and there is a lot of, again, that weird, the weird accents that he tries to do <laughs> for whatever reason at certain points. And uh, some freak out moments, some yelling, some very over the top cage stuff, which I liked. Now, his brothers, John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey is hilarious in this. He's great because he's getting to just go full Dana Carvey. He's he yeah. completely engulfs himself in the role. His his accent slips a touch here and there, but it's, it's there consistently. And uh, I read that he was kind of doing a young Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he is, I would say, like, at least 50, I don't know. It's hard to choose, but he's a big reason why I like the movie because <laughs> I love Dana Carvey. And mm -hmm. I think, like, as a kid, like, all my Hollywood crushes tended to be comedians, which is bizarre. But I was, like, in love with Dana Carvey. I loved his church lady on SNL. Mm -hmm. Absolutely adore Wayne's World. I, I just, I love the guy. So, like, this is one of my favorite of his performances, even though, again, it's not like the best movie ever, but I just think he's so funny in it. Um, oh, he, he Yeah, really he makes is. a choice, and it's weird, but it's Dana Carvey, so it's okay. <laughs> but he makes the choice, and then he sticks with that choice. True. Because that's Dana Carvey. Like, when he creates a character, he just becomes that character. When he's Garth, he's Garth all the time. Yeah, like, that's very true. And that's, I, I love that for it, because he is this dim-witted, but he's good at what he does, which is apparently drive anything yeah. whether it's an animal or things. a car yep and any kleptomaniac and that's the other great <laughs> yeah. part is he's just constantly taking any and i love when they when they first mention it where they say he you know you're a kleptomaniac and then it's just him like almost vibrating in his chair looking <laughs> at something that he wants to steal um yes so that that cracked me up yeah he was he was funny in this and he ends up kind of morphing into the the heart and soul 
character too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's you know, none of, they're they're not great guys. No. But they're just kind of I mean, it's the right I think it's the writer from Wise Guys and and from Bad Boys uh, yes. or Bad Boys 2. And and they are kind of just they're just uh wise guys. I mean, they're not really like they're not like hardened criminals. They're just they're just crappy people. <laughs> but pretty much I think yeah. throughout the film even though they're all kind of crappy, they sort of have an arc of becoming better by the end and realizing that, you know, being able to pull one over on people has consequences that they do care about. And so at the end of the day, they, they reluctantly sort of start to do the right thing. Yeah, it's sort of, you got Nick Cage is like the, he's the brother that's trying to be better and yes. and slowly morphing. Dana Carvey is the brother who just goes along with whatever's happening. So I don't like, I he's a he's a kleptomaniac he has to steal things he can't help himself with that but at the same time he's not going to try and knock out over a bank unless it's john lovitz's idea unless david wants to do right. it then alvin's like yeah sure i'll go along with that you know he just sort of follows he's a follower um in terms For of like sure. the three brothers but he has his heart in the right place because when when um is it bill bill is nick cage's character yeah, Bill. And it's less like Furpo. Furpo it's like yeah. a weird name, yeah. When Bill is like, <laughs> no, I'm taking the money back, he's all for it. And then he comes yeah, clean like, okay. with, you know, oh, no, and I had your wallet. We duped you. Um, You know, that that which that scene is rough. Um, because, <laughs> yeah. oof. Uh, but then you have David. You have uh, John Lovitz's character who's just like a grifter. He just cares only about himself. And he's really only be this characterization could only be done by john lovitz like 100 percent. another person i absolutely adore uh from snl that is in this film and yeah he, he does such a good job of being so scummy but it's john lovitz so you like love him anyway right because he has this ability to be because he is like david is by far the worst of the three brothers he just he just likes to take stuff from other people and mm -hmm. look out only for himself. But then he can do it in this way where it's like, because of John Lovitz and sort of his face and like the way he can, the way he can smile and deliver a line, you're almost like, Oh, you, that's fine. Here, <laughs> sure. Take the watch. That's whatever, you know? And, and then you realize after the fact, wait a minute, that guy just robbed me. Hold on. Right. So yeah. And, I am not as big a John Lovitz fan as I am uh, Dana Carvey. I like John Lovitz, but Lovitz for me, um, I loved him in The Critic. The Critic is fantastic. Oh my gosh, I love that show. And, yes. and he is so good in that. Uh, I do think with him, I'm I'm closer to like a Will Ferrell where I tend to like him in smaller doses. Um, okay, I get that. And and this that I think that's why he works well in this movie for me because it's part of an ensemble with Cage, with Dana Carvey, and the fact that the three of them are are such different styles of um, of acting. Like John Lovitz is always John Lovitz. I, I never see him as not being John Lovitz in whatever part he's doing. It's sure. just like deviations, like variations of that. Dana Carvey dives into a character and totally changes his mannerisms and his speech patterns and his voice. And he does all of that. He's that type of comedian. And then Nick Cage mm -hmm. is kind of always Nick Cage, but then trying not to be <laughs> Nick Cage at the same time. So he's like at yes. odds with himself. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so it works. It, it works having those three different styles. I did find it interesting when I was reading that apparently, according to John Lovitz, the director barely did any work on this movie. Uh, really just so, kind of lost interest maybe or i noticed he didn't have a lot of directing credits mainly writing credits yes now you were right yeah. he did write um he did write bad boys and bad boys uh so he wrote the story for bad boys and then uh is credited for two three and four as the characters oh, um, okay but he also wrote midnight run um oh so I can kind of see that. Uh, I can I can see that humor and his style a little bit in this. When I read that, oh, he did Bad Boys. Okay, I can I can see that completely. But uh, according to John Lovitz, director George Gallo did not actually direct much and barely told the cast to what to do. Just kind of told him to do whatever. And Interesting. That uh, Cage. This is according to John Lovitz in, in interviews. Cage directed some of the film. Wow. And that, and that they the the cast hated making this. 
and said that uh, oh. they they liked they called it uh, trapped in bullshit was their their working title for the movie and that Dang. I guess that was rough. I don't see that. So no. uh, credit I don't to think them it did well, right? No, no, sure it, like, it did not. Um, we'll so talk about reason, that. Yeah, the reason why I like the movie is because you know, 1994, I'm like 10 years old. And like I said, I was a big SNL fan even back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these two guys were on SNL. Um, and then Nicolas Cage I was familiar with because of, uh, I think I think by this time Raising Arizona was out, right? Oh, yeah. Raising that, Arizona was like yeah. 87, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I had seen that. So, like, this is one of those rare instances where I'm watching a live-action movie and I know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, And I loved them. So, you know, any sort of awareness of this doing poorly or, you know, maybe not being the best movie, like, I wouldn't have noticed that as a kid. So it has given me permanent rose-colored lenses. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be unbiased, but that just to give you a little background of why I liked it. But that's disappointing to hear. But at the same time, I mean, it is a job, right? I mean, I think that happens on a lot of movies where, you know, things don't go great and they're rough. And It you know, does. So. And it's it's interesting when it does pop up where it's it's actually spoken about that this movie was really yeah. rough making. Because uh, it's not the first Nicolas Cage movie that I've, I've had that same trivia stuff come up. And that was um, Bringing Out the Dead, which mm. was Martin Scorsese. Uh, 99 it was nick cage oh, john uh nicholas cage john goodman's in it ving rames is in it um and that apparently was not a great shoot to be on but some of that was that they shot all of it in new york in february and it was all at night oh, Lord. because it's about oh. an overnight uh like a like a graveyard shift uh ambulance driver and just some of the weird stuff that he's going through so oh. it was cold and miserable to shoot um, but I love that movie and I thought the performances were great. I actually thought that this movie, I did not get the feeling that people were not enjoying doing it because it felt yeah. like, and maybe some of that was if the director's not doing anything, but you've got these three actors that are the main focus of your movie and they basically just get to play and have fun. Maybe that's yeah, why true. for them that came out that way, but it's also a testament to their professionalism, right? I mean, they're, it is a job. Yeah. You're right. They're getting paid <laughs> to do it. And they made the best of it. Now, it didn't do well, and it has, I believe, a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's uh, so funny. This is still like one of those movies that, like like I said, it's, it's funny. You, you grow up with it, and you like it. It never occurs to you, and then you become an adult, and you realize, like, no one has seen it, <laughs> and that it is not. it was not well-received. And it's like, I get it, <laughs> but I do... I'll still love it. But I, when I read that, I thought, you know, that seems really low. Like, seems kind of I harsh. Have, I mean, yeah. maybe 60%, you know, 50% I could agree with. But I'm like, I don't know. When you have people that are this good at what they do, <clears throat> and like you said, I think giving pretty solid performances, maybe Nicolas Cage is, isn't the most solid, but let's be honest, there's a lot of movies that he's not super solid in that still work. Um no, I will. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is this is pre um, leaving Las Vegas, so he hasn't won his Oscar yet. He hasn't had right. his run of box office hits with The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, all of that. So he hasn't been the action True. star yet. Uh, this was the same year that he did Guarding Tess, which also didn't do great, uh, if I remember correctly. Mm. Now, I didn't remember this movie. I remembered the movie, but I didn't remember it being like a hit or anything. I thought it, I I always felt like it was just kind of one of those, like you said, kind of 50, 60 percent Rotten Tomatoes type movies, like the middle of the yeah. road. You know, people saw it and thought eh, it was fine and then moved on and forgot about it. But to see that it was a five percent that uh, <laughs> I think one review said uh, loaded with talent, but borderline unwatchable. I don't get that. That's oh, harsh wow. because I don't it's a think little too harsh. I don't I don't see that at all. I think that. Maybe if I'm going to nitpick, because I'll just say right now, I, I enjoyed it. I had fun with this movie. Uh, it was because it was that. It was fun. If I'm going to nitpick on it, it's maybe a little bit long. It's almost two hours long. And on a comedy, there's a couple parts that stretch. You could probably trim here and there. And I think most yeah. of what I would trim is the Hallmark movie romance that 
feels like an afterthought. It feels like... 100%. I don't understand how that woman could be charmed by him at all. Like, <laughs> I mean, my advice to her at the end of the... I actually said this when I was watching it uh, yesterday. I said, my advice to this woman is, you know, great. He had a change of heart. He's clearly on a good path. Do not end up with this man. No. <laughs> Your bar's up here. He's down here. You're an upgrade for him. Right. But he's a downgrade for you. Well, um, and he's in the, I feel like there's like kind of a big age gap too. And it, it just feels weird. Like, I don't understand why she would be so charmed by him, but maybe a little bit of that is because he is Nicolas Cage and it's, he's giving this strange performance. It's like, why would that charm anyone? But I don't know. I mean, I guess so. And, and there probably was a little bit of an age gap, but I don't think it's as big as we're thinking because Nicolas Cage would have only been uh, about 30 when this came out. Oh, okay. Maybe in my mind, he's just such an adult. And well, she just plus, kind of fresh he face. looks, he's got the little bit of receding hairline. He looks That's older true. than he is. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, no, she, like that whole romance part of it was just strange. It was almost like they were, they said, well, okay, we have to tick all the boxes of a comedy mm -hmm. in the nineties. So there has to be a romantic interest. Yeah. And th there's, I can't even say they didn't have chemistry because they're barely on screen with each other. They they have a scene right. towards the beginning in the bank, and then they have a, a scene at the dinner table, which she's barely a part of, and then just shoes them off, and then at the end. Like, there's hardly anything there. So that's... I don't know. If you came into the movie, like, you're flipping through channels and it's playing on TV, and all you caught was the last five minutes, you would assume that the romantic story between these two was the whole thing with the way the movie ends. And it's not, it's not really part of the movie at all. So, she's not even on the cover. Like, no. <laughs> and yet she's the main love. Yeah. I think there must've been a draft. I'm going to assume where the focus was on her, like reuniting with her dad and getting closure. Cause that would have been the better thing to do again, two characters we hardly see, but maybe through them, connecting it's like a, an aha moment for them or something but it, it does feel almost like maybe studios or somebody was like hey you need to include a romance in here to make this work and they were wrong yeah. it could have been taken out yeah I well agree. yeah and and on top of that the whole angle with her father being a crook who yeah you know comes to get the money because it was going to be his job and and all this kind of stuff like that was also kind of glossed over and I felt like yes. needed needed more. So it's like, right. take the romance angle of it completely out and just either focus. It, it, that felt, again, like another part of a movie. You're right. It's probably an earlier script had more of that and then they kept trimming and cutting. Because in the end of the day, uh, Ma Furpo, um, Florence, uh, uh, what's her name? Um Florence Stanley has more screen time than our romantic lead. Uh, yeah. I mean, and... she's in more peril for sure. Um, <laughs> and she's funny and it, it feels like the, the camera stays on people that are funny, maybe more <laughs> in this movie than others. I loved her in this, but you're right. Yeah. It's like, um, oh. I think she was enough of a motivator for these guys. You know, they had yeah. real strong I mean, he keeps a picture of his mother in his wallet. They have a very strong connection mm -hmm. to each other so you could have focused more on that maybe and um, they should have so, yeah, because mm -hmm. florence stanley was my favorite part of this entire movie she she's hilarious cracked me up the whole time because here she is with two hardened criminals who have broken out of jail stolen <laughs> a car and kidnapped her and all she's doing is busting their chops the whole way there when she starts singing show tunes Yes. <laughs> and then it cuts away and it comes back as they're pulling into the diner and she's still singing. I lost it. Like, that's such a good gag. <laughs> that stuff is what makes the movie work is gags like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like, yeah, the logic of the movie is fuzzy. It's clunky. <laughs> the romance doesn't make sense. But probably what always kept me coming back to it was the comedy. I, I enjoyed it. I thought Nick Cage was funny in this movie, too, like funnier mm -hmm. than he normally is. And because he needs to be sort of the straight man that loses his cool all the time, it, yeah. that's usually the best place for him to be. Um, but yeah, I think I, I agree with you. If they had focused more on Maud, they should have because it, it makes sense. She was very funny. <laughs> she was. And it gives you, there's your motivation. There's there, like everything that you would, you would need for these three guys to be doing what they're doing is wrapped up in Ma. 
Um, yeah. And I think it makes for a, a more complete movie. For me, this is sort of a, a CC plus movie. In ter- if I was going to give it a grade, like it's good. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad I saw it, but it's not like, a, although I will say how this isn't a Christmas classic. I don't know. Like this never it is for me. <laughs> I didn't know it was about uh, set around Christmas. I knew it was in the winter. I didn't know it was set at Christmas. And this mm-hmm. never gets mentioned on a single list of like Christmas movies. I mean, it's... I wonder if it was released not around Christmas or something. That could be. I did not look that part up. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, it it is the type of thing that if I was trying to think of a movie to watch around Christmas time, I could watch this. I would put this on a similar level to, like, The Ref in terms of a Christmas comedy that's not a traditional Christmas movie. Um, Mm, And... You know, the the good thing about this is it doesn't have the problematic thing of Kevin Spacey being in it. So there's that. Yeah, too. it has a couple <laughs> things that don't age well. Right. But like I respect that they were kind of trying like I, I, I was I noticed that like, um, you know, there's that. Is he like the deputy or the there's there's like a cop and then his son is like he ha- he has special needs. Oh, yes. Yes. And sometimes they played that a little too much for laughs. But then other times it was very touching and I kind of appreciated it because it just sort of exemplified how like the town would uh, be so inclusive and kind. And I thought that, you know, like that was kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's like a couple jokes like that don't work like that. But it's like, well, it was the 90s, unfortunately. You know? Right. Those um, that's definitely a product of its time. Both. Uh, it was De- yeah. Deputy Timmy. Played by Paul Lazar. Deputy Timmy, yeah. Um, it's like sometimes he was like used for laughs and it was like cringy, but then other times I, you know, I, I thought it was kind of sweet that he was so included. Well, and I know? liked I liked that they gave him the moment at the end. There's I don't know why yeah, he, he was at the their hero. house. Like I don't know why he was there in the first place because he's not in <laughs> oh, his man. Santa get up or anything. They're, he's just there, but. He gets right. the heroic moment of taking the guy's, knocking the guy's gun out of his hand, getting the other one and pistol whipping him with it. Like, I like that. So that was kind of nice um, to do that yeah. for that character. The other one was the, you had the two kind of idiots that ran the store. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it felt like they were like kind of like wannabe militiamen a little yeah. bit. Yep. And yeah. uh, John Ashton was one who's great. I mean, he's Sergeant Taggart in, uh, in Beverly Hills Cop. Like, Oh, okay. Um, so he's, he's always fun, but, uh, Clovis, his, uh, I guess, brother or friend, I don't know that that was another one where they played him for laughs, but in a way that was a little bit cringy. He's, he's kind of just dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's mostly just dumb. I felt like that was sort of taking a, a shot at like small town America a little bit. True. With yeah. Them. Um, but I mean, you know, you can, you take those things aside, like most of the humor is pretty pretty straightforward and and fairly like i would say general kind of good for anybody to watch type of humor yeah there's nothing there there is nothing mean-spirited overall um and there's nothing very dirty or blue uh in the comedy so it's the type of thing that you could watch with uh, i could watch with my mom yeah and again that's probably why i watched it so much um I, I don't remember when I first saw it. I don't think I saw it when it came out, but um, I'm pretty sure I saw it on VHS. But I, I remember watching it a lot with like my my friends and you know my dad and you know like we just it was something that we all kind of just liked and it wasn't like you said too adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most adult thing in it again is Florence uh, Stanley. <laughs> and but you kind of have to just forgive that, you know. She's, she's a that's just Ma. Well, yeah, it's it, she's an older Catholic mother from New York. <laughs> yes. I think she was very restrained. <laughs> for, yeah, for yeah, that. she could have definitely <laughs> dropped some F-bombs or something, but it wasn't that kind of movie. <laughs> no, no, but, oh, okay. So a couple of things that I adored about this. I love the goofiness of this small town. Yes. Just like the silly nature of like everyone is so nice and so yeah, accommodating nice. <laughs> like way too much it's taken to an extreme and i love that because it's just silly yeah. and it's it's entertaining and you know you get the the fun scenes of like the three guys that just robbed the bank get to sit down for christmas dinner with the bank manager as he tells them about how the money they stole is from you know the the uh, the yearly christmas fund that they get once a year like yes 
you know, it's just, oh, it's, it's horrible, but, but hilarious at the same time. Uh, <laughs> and then they give them presents. Like they're like, <laughs> oh, we have presents. And then they're like, people keep putting money in their hand, like the whole yes. movie, even oh. though they're completely out of money. Also, I, I liked when they were robbing the bank. The first thing someone said was, oh no, but the Christmas parade's coming. Yeah. <laughs> It's like they're all being held at gunpoint, and the first thing they think of is, "Oh no, the Christmas parade." <laughs> I just thought that was cute. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And then you have like uh, here, you've got two guys with ski masks and shotguns, and everybody is just calm. Like this happens a lot. Nobody yeah. panics. <laughs> um, they're they're helpful when when he's across the street at the diner, and John Lovitz is there doing yoga with everybody, and everybody's just playing along <laughs> with it. Um, I just loved all of that. Uh, it, it was great. And then um, some of the costuming was phenomenal. The sweaters mm. that Alvin wears <laughs> throughout the movie. Yes. He wears some of the most amazing, ugly Christmas sweaters I've ever seen. <laughs> he does. And <laughs> what I, I want to know, like, where was he stealing these from? Because it seemed like he had a different one in almost every scene. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> he had quite the wardrobe. And then the sunglasses also that uh, that Nick Cage grabs, those super thin 90s <laughs> kind of wrap around sunglasses. Those were, yeah, those were amazing. Another thing though, that this movie did that I was not prepared for. Um, because again, it's a comedy. So as we're, wa- as I'm watching the movie, I'm realizing, okay, this is a comedy. All right. I'm setting up my expectations. Some of the stunt work was amazing. I don't know. There's a lot of action. Like there's so many a, things happen in this film. <laughs> there's a surprising amount of action. And stunt work, like there's there's two in particular that really caught my eye. One was when we first meet Deputy Timmy, is he's riding his horse out into the street and they almost hit him with the car. But the stunt of the horse rearing back and the guy falling off of it onto the ground is all done in a wide shot. And I'm like, that's a hell of a stunt for a movie, yeah. a comedy about some guys robbing a bank to show that stunt. That looked great and also incredibly painful because that guy fell off of a rather tall horse. Merlin, or I guess it was played by two horses, Mabel and Sarge. Merlin was not a small horse. And so I, was, mm. I, had, to, I had to write myself a note, like shout out to the stunt guy for that because that couldn't have been an easy one to do. And then the car, some of the car stuff in the, in the final chase where they're um, on the horse-drawn sleigh coming back into town, I think. Oh, yeah. Either they're coming back in or they're leaving town. Uh, there was a, a stunt where the car jumped and then slammed right into a tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was another one where I was like, that's a hell of a stunt to put in a movie like this. Like, you normally would see that in Bad Boys or Midnight Run or something like that. So I guess I can kind of see, given that um, that this director wrote those movies and was probably part of that, it just... I didn't expect it, and it looked pretty good. Um, it was yeah. funny to see the car change colors because it was a blue car, <laughs> but when it hit the that. tree, yeah, when the car hits the tree, it's like a white or a silver car that they used for the stunt car, and then it's blue again later. Um, That's funny. <laughs> but the overall stunt looked really cool, uh, so I liked that. I liked the horse, um, the horse-drawn sleigh, although I did think the the whole thing with it nearly falling into the river was like, really, we're going to do this now? I don't want Merlin... Like I want nothing bad to happen to this horse. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just I was surprised at the stunt the the stunts in this. It was almost like it's not the car chase from the Blues Brothers, but it feels like right. that. Where like Blues Brothers, it does. when you start watching Blues Brothers for the first time, you don't expect a huge car chase to be at the end of this movie, but there is. Yeah, I didn't expect that level of stunt work and action in this comedy from the mid 90s but it was there and it was pretty impressive so i liked that uh i i mean i I mentioned uh liking the costuming for dana carvey especially but dana carvey i i almost feel like that was just stuff he had i don't know right like he's the kind of person that would like make up a character like you said and then decide what he wears Mm -hmm. (laughs) just kind of come with his own wardrobe or something um, and then, you know, some of your smaller characters, Donald Moffat was Clifford Anderson. Um, he is like perfect to play, uh, that fatherly character. And again, mm-hmm. that felt like a character because they have this, this touching moment with him and with Clifford and Sarah towards the end of the movie where they go to the church to find out if they really returned the money to the church or not. 
And there's like this weird kind of Hallmark movie moment in front of the church yeah. where they have, you know, I'm sorry I didn't tell you more about myself. Well, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. And they have their big hug. And it's like, wait, did I, did I miss part of this movie? Um, <laughs> yeah. Where was where was the setup for any of this? But he's <laughs> he's perfect for that character. Because um, yeah. he just, like, he always seems like the most sincere person in any acting role he's ever in. He's one of those character actors that just never feels like somebody that has a cynical bone in his body. Mm-hmm. So I liked him. I also liked that uh, I recognized immediately the the priest um, at the church uh, where they dropped the money <laughs> off was yeah. um, Doc from the Boondock Saints. Oh, I did not notice that. So I just That's kept cool. waiting. I just kept waiting for him to yell a bunch of swears. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, I don't know how, like, I I can't believe I recognized him because I haven't watched Boondock Saints in probably three or four years was the last time I saw it. And it's such a small role, but it's a memorable one. So that face it is memorable, yeah. popped in my head. I don't know. I It's not great, but it's a good movie. And I do understand why I can absolutely understand how it's a movie that you really enjoy watching. Because I think if, if I had seen this, because I would have been 13 or 14 when this came out. If I had seen this at that age with uh, with how much I like Dana Carvey and and um, appreciate John Lovitz and like him and all of that, like I can absolutely see how you could latch on to this. The, for me, that movie is Running Scared. That's the movie mm. where nobody's seen it. The people that have really enjoy it, but then a lot of other people are like, eh, it wasn't good and it didn't review well, but I love it and unabashedly and I know I'm biased towards it that so I can absolutely see where you're coming from on this movie um but having said that it's good it's enjoyable you you go into it expecting what you're going to get which is a silly movie I think my my one note was like yeah I think my note was this movie's dumb and I love that because it is it's (laughs) it's 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 definitely park your brain Mm -hmm. um but I you know it's it's a fun movie. It's probably going to be something that'll come up in my Christmas rotation more often now that I uh, now that I have seen oh, it good. and know it's a Christmas movie because I think it's it's fun. Comfort movie, Faye says in the chat. That's a good way to put it. It is, it is definitely that. You don't have to think about it too hard. It's not trying to. There isn't a, a huge message in it, although I feel like at one point they wanted there to be. <laughs> it's like don't steal from small towns. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's about as close as you get. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you don't really walk away thinking that all three of them have changed. Maybe Nicolas Cage, because he's going to stay there. But I feel like Dana Carvey and John Lovitz are going to go right back to stealing things. So I don't know that they learned a huge lesson. (laughs) Oh, they're they're totally going to go back to stealing things. And honestly, Nick Cage is probably going to go ham on somebody in in whatever restaurant he's going to manage. And be back in New York within a year. Yeah. he He doesn't last in the small town. No, no. But, you know, it's it, it's one of those where I think that it's worth seeing a movie like this. Um, it, it's actually why I started doing the Nick Cage kind of stuff a couple of years ago was I realized that, yes, he's kind of become a meme. Yes, he does all sorts of goofy stuff. But not all of it is, you know, Willy's Wonderland or Pig yeah. or these weird color out of space, these weird movies that have very strange premise and he gets to go crazy in that direction. The thing I like about Nick Cage is that he does a little bit of everything. And this was definitely during a period of time where he wasn't just doing action or just doing horror. He was doing comedy. Because um, I think Amos and Andrew he did a couple years before this, I want to say. That was like early mm-hmm. 90s with Sam Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. And and I like that. And I like the different versions of Nick Cage that you get. Because this isn't really... Yeah. I wouldn't put this as a good performance by him because I think his good performances are stuff like Lord of War. Um, I thought oh, Bringing yeah. Out the Dead was really good. Uh, I mentioned Leaving Las Vegas. You don't win an Oscar if you're not good. So, yeah. Um, but no, it's I also yeah, but it's also not him in Vampire's Kiss where he's just completely <laughs> off the rails, like, which I enjoy watching too. But oh yeah, because it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> or Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, those are like. Nuts performances, yeah, they're 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 out there. Yeah, this is uh, this is much more in the middle of the road, but memorably so. Unlike, because season of the witch, he wasn't bad, but I also felt like you could have put half a dozen different people in that same role, 
with the performance mm. that he gave and it wouldn't change it. Gotcha. And this, you maybe could say that, but at the same time, like nobody's going to do a moment like um, the table flip in the diner towards the end uh, when he has this little freak out. <laughs> or I love early on, you sort of get your, your first taste of, okay, he's going to do whatever he needs to and probably isn't the best moral center when they're running from the cops and then he throws his brothers against the wall and fakes being a police off an off-duty police officer to the rookie cop. Yeah. In order to get away with it. like that's your first taste of okay, all right. So he went from don't do the bad things to now I'm going to help you get out of it. Well, I, I feel like his character in this movie used to be just like his brothers, like they all ran around together, they they committed a lot of crimes. He was good at it. And then life has kind of beaten him down at this point where the brothers have done time now. And he's obviously, I mean, you, you see his car in the beginning and you see True. his status in life. And I think he's, he's like, I'm done. Like I was good at that, but I'm done and I'm going to mm -hmm. try to go straight. Um, but yeah, he can't help himself. Every opportunity that he gets to bring that older part of himself out, he, he does it and he does it well. And like you're saying, Nick Cage is just good at stuff like that uh, in his role. So that is a good, a good point. He is. He had that great moment where, and he smokes a lot in this movie, which also yeah. tells you when it was made because. For sure. Because um, <laughs> not only does he smoke a lot, but he's smoking a lot indoors. Uh, but that moment yeah. in the bank where he's smoking and they're saying, yeah, but the vault's empty. And then they watch the money walk in and find out it's $275,000 and he just starts choking <laughs> on his cigarette. Like that's a, that's a fun moment. Um, yeah. I, yeah, you're right in that. That is the feel thinking in retrospect after I've seen the movie, that's something that they could have improved with just a couple of lines of dialogue of True. something to give us a, an indication that he used to run with his brothers and maybe he got out of it. Um, there's not a lot of like, overt indication of that true yeah yeah i am sort of filling in the blanks maybe i made up my own head canon watching it so many times which you know that's i don't have a problem with movies leaving stuff up to interpretation but mm -hmm. it also should fit with what's going on and that's why i feel like even just a, a line or two of dialogue as to why he's still living with his mom or why um true yeah there's a he, lot unsaid yeah, and, and it would give us a reason why he flipped so quickly from no, 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 no to let's rob a bank at gunpoint in line. broad daylight. <laughs> yes, I do love the line uh, where when his brothers get out of prison and John Lovitz is like, you know, I've heard that the state of the economy has, you know, gone to crap, but yeah, I mean, look at that abandoned vehicle. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. points out his car. I don't know why. That line always makes me laugh. Like, it made me laugh as a kid, which is weird. And it makes me laugh now. There's some good lines in this movie. There really are. Uh, there's some funny stuff. I even think the stuff with the FBI, although, again, they don't really explain why the FBI just shows up in this small town for a bank robbery. Yeah. Why would the FBI? There. Well, I think it's because that one guy escaped prison. That was before that. They were, oh, it is? Oh, they okay. were in town because they were in town before the guy, before Vic gets out of prison. And it feels like a continuity error then. It could <laughs> be. Yeah. Um, but, but even if, even if the reason, no, in fact, they didn't know because when they see the, the Cadillac with the New York plates, the one uh -huh. agent's like, why does that car seem familiar to me? And someone had to tell him, okay. oh, yeah, the guy, the guy broke out of prison and stole a car. There was an APB out about it or there was, you know, something over the wire. He's like, oh, that's right. So they weren't there for that. They were there because the money got stolen. But it which, seems yeah, like. Which is kind of silly. Like, why would the not, FBI be that concerned with that? Yeah, especially for that amount of money. In yeah, a it's small not a town. lot. <laughs> so right, yeah. That was a little weird. But then we got some fun, you know, fun moments with the, the feds and. Uh, yeah. I liked how over the course of the movie, he just gets more and more like, oh, this is so dumb. <laughs> that, yeah. that one cop, uh, you have the two sheriff's deputies that are playing basketball because they're in like, they're clearly <laughs> in the high school gym where they yeah. have everything set up. So there's a lot of fun stuff like that. Again, Florence Stanley kills it. I could have watched an entire movie of just her with the two mobsters on their way, yeah. to, on their way to paradise. That alone guess, was enough for me. 
Yeah, maybe the movie was meant, you know, you mentioned like the, the really like ex- not extreme, but like the good stunt work and like all the action. And it, it's almost like they were sort of trying to parody 90s action, but then also Christmas. So it's like maybe somewhere in this, some of that, that, you know, maybe the feds showing up was meant to sort of be exaggerated. Uh, but it does get lost. There's not like a clear reason. And it's not like the film, the film doesn't do a good enough job of expressing that's what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. just sort of implied, but that could be because the director lost focus halfway through and stopped directing. I mean, there's probably a reason why most of what his writing credits are, like half of them are, um, Ooh, he wrote the screenplay for the whole 10 yards, which is the weaker of the two oh, of those yeah. two movies. Um, yeah, it's not, again, it's not bad, but it's like, it's almost as though a studio was like, all right, we got a few million dollars. You can mm-hmm. make your movie. And he just took that and was like, all right, uh, I'm going to stand by the camera and you guys just do whatever you want. I'll, I'll make <laughs> I'm it. I'm not sure how to do this. So yeah. you do this. <laughs> Cause this was one of his earlier, um, well, no. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a second directing credit. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he was just overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and the script isn't, bad but it does feel like it was trying to do too many different movies at once Mm -hmm. so you know he he probably refined that a little bit when he wrote the story for bad boys and um but yeah it's like you're right it's sort of it's a hallmark movie and a christmas movie (laughs) and a heist movie and an actiony thing so i don't know it it went in a few different few too many directions to be considered a good movie yeah. But it's also not a bad movie. Like it doesn't, it does not deserve the five percent Rotten Tomatoes. It's better than that. Yeah, um, it's enjoyable. I would trim ten to fifteen minutes off of it. I, I I'm agree sure with you that. could find that, but um, it, it, it's fun and it and I like the idea of like more time should have been spent on them trying to get the money back to the town. True. Yeah, I could see that because it it did seem like that happened really fast. Yeah, like once they made the decision that they were going to take the money back, then there was two scenes of basically they go to the bank, they can't get it into the vault, so they take it to the church and drop it off, and then that's it. Like there should, I, I wanted more of that. That could have been, and there's a lot of comedy that could be involved in that too. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, overall, I think it's a fun movie, and I'm glad that I finally saw it. Um, Good. And it, it wasn't exactly what I expected it to be. But that's not really a bad thing. I just didn't have much of an expectation for it. I just knew it was a comedy. And I think I read the the IMDb blurb, which for me was actually like perfect. Um, <laughs> it's uh, residents of a friendly Pennsylvania town foil three brothers plans to rob a bank on Christmas Eve. That kind of encapsulates the movie. More yeah, or less. I guess. <laughs> but, but, but there's a bit missing there. Yeah, uh, it's like that's... Yeah, that's almost like they're afraid to tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's like, that's kind of not what happened, but okay. <laughs> um, I have a couple of clips because it's Cage and there's got to be, uh, you have to hear some of the dialogue for this. This one um, I captured because afterwards I read in trivia that this this particular character was seen uh, like watching the filming and the director was like, that's going in my movie. Okay. Uh, it's another long and miserable story that I'd rather not get into right now. There's a three-legged dog over there staring at me. <laughs> the three-legged dog. I found the three-legged dog charming, too. <laughs> I did, I did too. And what I liked was they worked it in for two jokes, and both of them are funny. And yeah, we didn't out of do that, nowhere. <laughs> that, that last one, because the first joke is great, where he's just, that's a very cage moment, and he's like, and there's a three-legged dog over there. What is that? That's funny in its own right. And you could have mm-hmm. never shown the dog again and it would have been perfect. Like I wouldn't have had a problem with it to bring it back later on when you see the dog go through the frame. And then the one FBI agent's like, we didn't do that. Did we? That's, that's <laughs> funny. That to me is hilarious. Um, and that was just, oh, I, it killed it. Um, this is uh, about as Nick Cage a moment as you can get in any movie. This is right after they took the car off the bridge. Um, okay. And they're getting out of the car. And I just, because this is, this lets me know that the director didn't care. 
because yeah. he just let this happen. <laughs> Ow! Oh. Ow! Ooh! That hurt! <laughs> I had to back that up and watch it a second time. I'm like, really? Really, we went there? It's not but... the alphabet moment in, what is that movie? No, it's Where not. Says... It's not the alphabet in, in Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> yeah, um, Vampire's but... Kiss. But it's still out there. Yeah. <laughs> like that. that is... That is a director saying, do whatever you want. And Nick Cage being like, you shouldn't tell me that. That's not yeah. the thing you tell you gotta, me. Got to uh, rein me in. That's how you get the Oscar performances and, out of me. And that's the thing. Like, that is something that I've talked about when reviewing Nick Cage movies is Vampire's Kiss was a first time director. And uh, listening to the commentary between that director and Nick Cage, you get that sense where he was like, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. And Cage is like, I. I didn't know what I was doing. Like he was just going, going off. This is another younger director or, or inexperienced director. But then you put him in a situation with a Scorsese in bringing out the dead and you get a good performance out of him. You get yeah. a good, you can get good performances out of Nick Cage because he's not going to say no and he's going to show up and he's going to be professional about it. But when he wants to be there or when you get a good director that can harness him. Um, yes. Bring him in. He can be great. Otherwise you get, ow, ow, that hurts after he gets out of a car that just flipped over. And like <laughs> logic brain in me saw that scene where the, the car goes over the bridge. I'm like, well, those guys are dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty intense crash. <laughs> yeah. They, they just landed boom, straight on the front. There's also a um, uh, couple of Nick Cage moments because these are, these are those moments that only Nick Cage can do. This is when, <laughs> um, it. After he looks in and he sees his, he sees Alvin's just taking all the money out of the register in that store re- early on, and he goes oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. and he starts putting all the money back. And the woman that owns the store, runs the store, is coming out yelling at him. And as they're leaving the, as they're leaving it, I had to capture this because this was totally Nick Cage. All right, all right, all right, all right. Like it's just saying all right, <laughs> all right, over and over. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's absolutely a Cage moment. Um, yes. And then. Uh, <laughs> This one. Key! Key! <laughs> just yelling the word key louder and stranger every time. Um, yeah. Or I liked, too, that they made the joke about John Lovitz having the what me face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then someone else paid it off later when he did the same thing to them. But, uh, you know, of course, Cage freak out. On your face! Which, again, trying to figure out the accent that he was doing there, because he's not saying on your face in his normal speaking voice. I don't know what that was. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, also, um, here's some Dana Carvey. Uh, I mean Scrabble. It's not Scrabble, it's Scrapple. I know that, and I'm not from Pennsylvania. So I did not know that. I no. I I just I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I can't remember what's exactly in Scrapple. Um, I, I know. Look up Scrapple now. I know that at least parts of it are probably stuff you don't normally think about eating. But um, I just thought it was funny that they called it Scrabble. Um, oh, <laughs> this one. This one I captured just because this this was a funny line. How about a little soup and brandy? Mix the two together. No, the brand is for me. <laughs> Just that, that reaction is great. It's a throwaway joke from a character who's in that scene. But yeah. uh, but it's so good. You're right, Ace. I could ask the person from Pennsylvania. I know. I didn't have time It does before. seem that Scrapple is unique to Pennsylvania. It is, very much so. It's like a pork mincemeat. I mean, it doesn't look appealing, but I'd try it. Yeah, I'd give it a shot. Um, yeah, why not? Okay, so as long as we're talking to people from certain regions about things, um, Amy is from uh, Massachusetts, where uh, where everything is wicked awesome. Um, so would somebody from New York say, Yeah, Ma, that's wicked bad. Because that doesn't sound like a New York accent <laughs> to me. It doesn't at all. So I'm curious to see what Amy has to say about that. Uh, no, they would not. Okay, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Now we know. Um, and then I have a couple of uh, Ma Furpo lines I got to play because, damn it, Florence. Looking her up, I realized why she seems so familiar to me because she's got a voice. 
she sounds a lot like if you blindfolded me and had Florence Stanley and B. Arthur in a room together, I'd have yes. trouble telling the two of them apart from voice only. They don't sound exactly the same, but they're in the same region of yes. of my brain as far as voices. She did voices for uh, Atlantis, um, uh, the, the animated Atlantis movie. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, I remember her as the judge in My Two Dads. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see that. It, what's what's weird about it is I know Paul Reiser and Greg Evigan were in that mm-hmm. and that she was the judge. I couldn't tell you another thing about that show, <laughs> but I, 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 I keep hearing her voice and I'm picturing her in the judge's robes. So okay. apparently it, cool. it, also I found out tonight um, in doing a little bit of, uh, of searching around that she played that same character in Night Court. So oh, okay. Night Court. Night Court and My Two Dads exist in the same universe, and I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so just a couple of hers uh, that cracked me up, because these can only be delivered by somebody like her, or, again, B. Arthur would have worked here. I'm being yeah, held sure. hostage on the night baby Jesus was born. What the hell does it look like? <laughs> uh, I want to know, okay. You guys are dumber than a box of hair. Box of hair. <laughs> Now, I have heard a lot of you're dumber than things in my time. Uh, I tend to say dumber than a bag of hammers because I loved Oh Brother, Where Art Thou so much, and that one's stuck in my head. I said that the other day. <laughs> I used that same phrase. But but dumber than a box of hair, I like, and I don't know why. It's silly. Um, it is silly. It feels like she said that on accident, and they were like, I like it. Speaking of on accident, uh, the joke at the end of the movie where um, Dave, Alvin, and Ma are getting on the bus, and she's opening up the payday and asks them, when are they going to get hitched? That was an absolute ad-lib moment. Because that was John, funny. Because John Lovett says, uh, when are we going to get hitched? And Dana Carvey, um, his reaction of, we are even attracted to each other, you see Florence Stanley break. She legitimately <laughs> starts laughing, and that cracked me up. I'm like, oh, that was... That wasn't scripted, and she broke character there, and it was too perfect. Um, that was good. Yeah. Uh, oh. Can I ask you a personal question? What were you doing five years for? Stupidity? That's great. <laughs> so biting. She's just oh, so good. So, so good. And then last one, because this was, this was all I knew about this movie prior to going into it. I just did what the map said. I made four lefts. Four lefts? As I suck on you, idiot! Are you sure? That was that was my knowledge of the movie prior to it, and I use that quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> I've, somebody posted a gif of that, I think, when I said we were watching it. I believe there's a gif from this movie, so it's impressive. Wow, really? I I looked for gifs from this movie, and I couldn't find any. So that's a somebody found one. Hat I think tip. it might have been Tim Rooney. Yeah. Hat tip to that person. So look, Trapped yeah. in Paradise. Honestly, I think it's worth watching. I think. I, th- I honestly think that it's not a great movie. It does drag a little bit, but it's still fun. It's still enjoyable. It's a silly, dumb, sort of reverse Hallmark movie with the bank robbery in the middle of it. And it's really all about Cage, Lovitz, and Carvey. And yeah. it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, come to the movie for those three. Stay for Florence Stanley because she is a gem. And yes. she was so good in this. Why she wasn't in more stuff, I don't know. Um, I know. She's hilarious. She is. She steals this movie for me. It's her and Dana she Carvey does. are what make this something that I want to watch again. Love so, it. Um, now, you have you have a show. You've had me on a couple of times. But tell people about yes. your show again for, for anybody who maybe missed when you were on last time. Okay. So, you know, I have a show. It's called I Love That Movie. And the concept is each week I have a guest and we just talk about a movie that they love. Uh, last week I just talked with Jay Yaz and we did Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Oh, wow. You know, it can be literally anything. Um, and there's no requirements. You don't have to have ever done. I've, I've had people on that have never even heard of a podcast before. Um, and Or you could be a podcaster. It could be anybody. As long as you really love a film, the concept is to me is that 
if you really love a movie and you've seen it a bunch of times, you're kind of an expert on that film. And so I want to hear your take on that. And then also your, your kind of personal connection to it. Why, why do you return to that movie so often? Why do you love it so much? And so it's a little bit of a rambly show. You know, we do talk about the, the main points of the film, but a lot of it is just a conversation. And that's what I liked about the show when I was on it and why I enjoy listening to it is there's a, there's a breadth of knowledge and style when it comes to that show. You get people on that are podcasters that have done movie podcasts and can really talk to kind of the nuts and bolts of a movie as well as somebody who's just like, look, I just really like this movie and here are my reasons why. Um, and I like that plus the positive aspect of it. That for me is a big thing. I try to be positive about movies. I mean, even if I don't like something, I usually can find something I, I enjoy about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like that you focus on, no, bring a movie that you love and you want to talk about. Um, because I think that's just more, there needs to be more of that because movies should be fun. Um, so yeah, it's a great show. Uh, I've been on a couple of times. I've always had a good time. And uh, definitely if, if folks are wanting a good fun, just like, and so many different movies too. I mean, Sky Captain, yeah, that, The World of Tomorrow is one I hadn't thought about in a long time. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen it all the way through. And that's another thing. It's like, I'm definitely, you know, sometimes people are nervous and they say things like, well, I haven't done this before. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm not qualified. I'm like, I'm the least qualified person in the <laughs> world. And I've been doing it for four years. So just come on and do it. It's fun. And and the, the best part about having, you know, such a variety of guests is that people love different films and it ends up making me, you know, more versed in films than I, than I was previously. I always feel like I learned something from my guests. Um, and in, and on this show, I, I love your format and how you frame it and all the facts that you bring out there. Uh, it's fun being a guest sometimes, you know, <laughs> and also I, I just, I liked all the facts that you had about this film and well, thanks. yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I, I enjoy having conversations with people about movies in whatever aspect of it. So for me, that's, that's a big thing. Um, and it's fun to, you know, take a, a topic like Nick Cage and explore that a little bit and see the different yeah. versions of him. So this week was Trapped in Paradise. Next week, I've got uh, actually two guests. Um, both have been on the show, but separately. Uh, and it's Phil Rude and his son, Austin, who have the picture show. Um, they've both been on, but separately from each other. They're both coming on. And we're going to watch Mandy because they've never seen yes. it. So we're now, we are now going to the other end of the Nick Cage spectrum from Trapped in Paradise. And then the week after that, Amy Frost is coming back and she is bringing uh, Matchstick Men, which is a movie I haven't seen. Oh, I haven't and seen that either. It's, it's pairing Nick Cage and one of my favorite directors, which is Ridley Scott, putting them together into a movie. Plus Sam Rockwell is in it. So Oof. I have no reason that I haven't seen this movie before now. Um, yeah, those are three good reasons to watch a movie. <laughs> yes. So that's how we're ending. That's how we're, we're doing our last two weeks of Cage of Palooza 2021 is Mandy followed by Matchstick Men. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Um, plus, it's a good lineup. Uh, you know, good conversations come from both uh, both sets of guests because Amy has been on a couple of times and we always have a great, uh, great conversation. And Phil and Austin both are great and they come at it from very different uh, sides. That's another thing I love about having different guests all the time is you probably run into this with, I love that movie is somebody you'll get people that are older that watch movies differently than younger people do um, and vice versa. Yeah. And, and, and just people that see things differently. And then Faye brings up that October is around the corner and I've got some Ooh. fun things I'm thinking of doing for this year's uh, October fest. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what comes up from that. But uh, yeah, next week is Mandy and I'm looking forward to it because I've seen the movie. Neither of them have. And oh boy, yeah, they're in for a wild ride, <laughs> needless to say. <laughs> yes. So if you have Shutter, you can watch it beforehand. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere else off the top of my head, but uh, it's definitely it, it, it's an experience. Um, yeah. And uh, and I spoiler alert, I recommend watching it if you like horror movies. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, plus, I have some I'll have some fun uh, trivia for that one that I that I can Ooh. pull. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be next week. Now, um, this show I record Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and I, uh, I stream it live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. 
come hang out in the chat. Be like Amy. Be like Faye. Be like Ace. Um, Ace, who's going to yell at me now uh, forever because I didn't consult the Pennsylvanian about Scrapple ahead of time. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't make that mistake again. Um, but yeah, come hang out. And then the show comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, TVstravis.com is the easiest place to find it. Um, but if you do listen on something like Apple Podcasts, Google, um, I think it's on Spotify, ratings and reviews help to make the show more discoverable when people are searching the different movie podcasts on those platforms, uh, as well as just sharing the link at tvstravis.com slash subscribe. We'll give you the button to find it in any platform you want uh, or the RSS feed and drop it in your favorite podcatcher uh, of choice. So uh, until next week and Mandy, as we continue on with Cage of Palooza 2021, Lisa, I want to say thank you for coming and hanging out again tonight. It's always a pleasure. And check out her show. I love that movie because she loves movies and gets a lot of great guests on there. It's a lot of fun. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, um, it's I like to say to everybody to enjoy your movies. We're slowly getting to go back to theaters and things. So if you can get out and enjoy them, do that and be excellent to each other. You want to talk to her? Yes, I wanted to talk to her. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>